Thank you for coming. Happy reInvent. It's been going well. Yes, exciting times. I was personally surprised by the pre-invent happening this year. Did anybody check that out on Twitter with the hashtag? Customers made it a thing, and then AWS launched a bunch of stuff with pre-invent. So we're going to check that out today. My name is Bridget Johnson. I'm a senior manager in AWS Identity. I love talking about access control policies and permissions. So that's what you're going to spend the next hour talking about access control confidence, granting the right access to the right thing, and I would like to add at the right time. And when we think about access control confidence, we have to realize that we're all on a journey. We're on a journey to least privilege, right? And so we hear this, and we heard this yesterday from Andy. You got to let developers move fast. They got to build. They have to innovate. They have to go. And then I talked to some central security team members or people on uh, security teams, and they're like, but, Bridget, there's always a but. And the but is, hey, we want to prevent dangerous actions. We don't want them to delete that role that I use for my audit. Um, and we need least privilege, and we have to have a security posture that we're confident in. And you can only do information security right if you do access control right. So today we're going to talk about what that looks like. First up, I'm going to review permissions in AWS. I am not going into every nitty-gritty detail of policies in AWS. I'm going to tell you what you need to know for the examples we're going to walk through today. Why? Because then I'm going to go through a model. And this is a, a permissions model that you can take back to your organization and you can start implementing it. And that model means setting yourself up for success with permission guardrails, getting to fine-grained permission that scale with your organization by relying on attributes, and finally analyzing that access patterns and reining in permissions over time as things settle down. And each of these will have demos, hopefully they'll work, um, and each of these will have clear examples that you can go through. And you might see some horse pictures. I have a horse named Pickles, you'll see him later. All right, reviewing permissions in AWS. There are two parts. First is your job. Who's written a policy? All right, we got that. This is your job. You specify who has access to which actions on which resources under which conditions. So that's your setup. We usually do these with policies. The second part is AWS's job, enforcement. For every AWS request that is made, we analyze the policy and come out with an allowed or a denied. And if you haven't seen a policy before, this is what it looks like. We like to call it the PARC model. And so P is a principle. This is the entity that is allowed or denied access. When you attach a role to, a, or when you attach a policy to a user or role, you don't need to specify the P. The P is an imp implied by the entity that you attach it to. What you do need to specify is the action. This is the action. Um, there are a lot of these in AWS and growing. With every new release, every new service release, we add more actions. So you specify what they are allowed to do, on which resource, and under which conditions. I love conditions. Conditions are incredibly powerful. And the way to think about them is you can perform these actions on these resources, but only if, right? So when you think conditions, think but only if this condition is true. And we're gonna use a lot of conditions today, so I hope you get excited, but they're very, very powerful and there's a lot of condition keys. And when you think about that request and getting an allowed or denied, who has been denied access in AWS? Not everyone is raising their hand, which makes me think that some people operate as root, uh, and that makes me more nervous. But um, so when you think and you've gotten this deny, one thing to, to come back to is how, how is that happening or why is that happening? And this is a model that I use in my head a lot. First, AWS, when you make a request, builds a context. And this is what action you're calling, what resources you're calling it on, what tags those resources have, what source IP you're coming from, if MFA has been enabled when you authenticated. That's, there's a lot of information in there. And then they take that context and they compare it to policies. This was the first step where you specified. 
and that's during the evaluation, and out comes an allowed or denied answer. And some people might think this is crazy foo. Like, how did this happen? Some people might think it's an alien. Definitely not an alien. Some people think it's me, right? Like, I sit there, denied, 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 denied. I don't do that. But really, at the end of the day, it comes with matching. We take your context and we say, is there a statement that has an allow that matches? Why? Because we deny by default. I need you to remember this. If there is no allow, we will deny by default. And so unless there's an allow that matches, you will not get access. And you're like, okay, Bridget, I got that. But there's all these different policies that were used across AWS. And so I'm gonna walk through a framework that essentially allow, to give you a mental model of how these different policies work together. Now, how many of you use AWS organizations? Okay, more people than used root, interesting, or than got denied. But anyway, so if you use AWS organizations, you might have heard of something called a service control policy. If, you've used, if you have a service control policy attached to an organization, an OU, or an account, that service control policy must allow. By default, there's a star.star service control policy on every organization. This does not mean that your developers get full access across your entire organization. It simply means there are no guardrails, so go and listen to the role policies. So that's for uh, managing permissions across your account, accounts. If you are within an account and you're using permission boundaries, the permission boundary must allow. A permission boundary allows you to define the maximum permission that a role can have. So if a role has a permission boundary on it, it must allow as well. Then, if you are in the same account, and you, this is where you would have a policy attached to the role, or maybe a policy attached to a bucket, this is what we call a resource policy, the other one's an identity policy, and you're talking about role A and bucket A, right, both in account A, then both of, or either one of those can uh, grant access. Either the role policy or the bucket policy can grant access. But that changes when you go across account. If you go across account, both the identity policy, so if you have role A and bucket B in different accounts, A and B, the identity policy must allow and the bucket policy must allow. And with this, I like to think of something a customer told me last year that stuck in my brain a lot. And he said, Bridget, you know, it's basically like uh, those joint hotel rooms where both sides have to open the door for access to flow through. So whenever I think of cross-account access, think about the two-way doors uh, and think about the hotel room. And then finally, if you're using a session policy, then um, this is a policy you pass in per session. The session policy must allow and the identity policy must allow. Fun fact, if you're not using session policies, we pass in a star.star policy for you, and essentially that means listen to the role policies. So that's how they all work together. I'm gonna to go through use cases and examples of most of these, but I wanted to give you a framework to think about. Okay, Bridget, you got all these policies, you got the park model, you can get really granular with AWS, but how do I make this work in my organization so I can let developers build? so they can use things, but use them so I have a security posture I'm confident in. So we have a permission framework, and it's a, your journey towards least privilege. This is the right access to the right things at the right time to do their job and nothing more. Can I get some snaps for that beautiful poem? Yeah, okay, nobody's snapping today. Um, but really what you want it to be like is this little girl, um, she's getting the right apple at the right snack time, to have her healthy snack. Uh, turns out that if she actually grabbed something else from that fridge, it wouldn't be that bad because that is a very healthy refrigerator. <laughs> I, uh, my refrigerator's not that healthy. Um, but anyway, so that's, that's your journey to get to least privilege. So what's the framework to get you there? First, you have to set yourself up for success by looking at permission boundaries and permission guardrails. This is so you can prevent powerful actions that you can uh, restrict access to critical resources, restrict regions. Then you have these guardrails set up, and that's across account, and you wanna go into the account, and that's where you'll have fine-grained permission at scale, right? Where you can say, based on attributes, you can do these things, or based on these attributes, you can do these things on only this set of resources. 
and we'll go into that because that is my favorite topic. And then finally, because you had these permission guardrail these permission guardrails up, you may have felt comfortable granting a little bit more access than they actually needed, right? So maybe a new team spun up and they thought they were going to use a service. They thought they were going to use Lambda and they ended up not, right? You can use data to then rein in those permissions, like maybe before, uh, if they're in dev, before they go to prod or just over time continually trying to, to, to rein in those permissions. And yes, I say rein in because, of course, horses. All right, so we're going to dive into each. Setting yourself up with permission guardrails. I do want to call out here before I go into the tools. Um, you might have been in a meeting with somebody, maybe like a leader, and they say, you know what? We just don't want people to create resources outside of the US. Or we don't want people to use Oracle. Right? I may have heard that in my day at Amazon. And when you hear that in a meeting, I need your little light bulb to go off and say, Bridget told me to turn that into a permission guardrail. So what will you do? You will go look at your tools. And your tools are VPC private link and endpoint policies. I'm not going to go over those today, but this will help everybody's security posture if you make sure your internet stays within, your traffic stays within side your VPC. And then you have, with organization service control policies. These allow you to control across accounts. And then you have permission boundary. I get the question a lot. When do you use service control policies versus when do you use permission boundaries? And these two tools are used for one thing. They're used for delegating administration. It means so you as an admin can set something up and then delegate administration in a safe way to developers. So with service control policies, you would set them up and you would delegate administration to an entire account, right? You give them the guardrails and then say, that's your account. But more often than not, I hear from customers that essentially there's, there's more, there's shared accounts. And this could be two different teams, this could be two different parts of the team, and that's when you would use a permission boundary, right? And you would say, hey, content team, you can um, grant access to all of your content stuff, and app team, you can grant access to all your stuff, and none of them can escalate privileges to get to the other side. So let's look at service control policies first. This allows you to establish controls across all IAM principles, users, and roles. I would like to include root, so all those people who don't get denied, you can put a service control policy and they will experience the deny. I think that's a part of every AWS experience, so why not? So what can you do? You can restrict access to specific AWS regions. How many of you in the last, let's go, 12, 18 months have had to restrict access to a region? Yeah, it's a big deal in today's world. So think about putting that in your service control policy. You can also prevent IAM principles from deleting common resources. So if you have a central uh, role that you want to keep from being deleted and restrict service actions. My pro tip here is to push as many of these controls that are common across accounts up into your SCPs. So we're going to demo a lot today. Hopefully they'll all work. And here are the characters. You have me on your left. I'm the central security team. Uh, my mission is access control confidence while enabling developers to build. On the right side, you have Crazy Casey. Um, he is a developer. He's also my older brother. He's a little mischievous, especially when he drinks gin and tonics. And, but he really likes to write code. No matter what time of day, he likes to write code. So we're going to make sure he has those proper guardrails in place. Doesn't go too crazy. This is my organization. I have a master account. I have two OUs. Notice that my OUs are production and development. They are not unicorns and zombies. So I did not divide them up by, based on project. I divided them up based on the controls I want. Your controls on prod are going to be a little bit different than your controls on dev, your controls on POC, et cetera. So that is how I would start thinking about your organization structure. All right, so what is our challenge here today? Our challenge is restrict access to only east and west and um, to restrict powerful service actions to all IAM entities. I'm going to go through all the policies, and then I will uh, dive into all the demos and show you what's going on. So remember, in my organization, I have a star.star policy at the top. And then I'm going to add a deny. I'm going to say, I'm going to deny all these services and any action within them 
only if the region is not equal to one of these regions. So if I try to create a new repository in Tokyo, this deny will kick in, and the individual doing that will experience a deny. Pro tip here, use requested region condition key. It applies to all services. It's very convenient. All right, next up is powerful actions. You might say that some of these actions are pretty powerful, right? You don't want people messing around with internet gateways all, all willy-nilly-like. And so I'm going to deny these actions, but only if the role is not like this role. So I have a network admin role in the account, and that network admin will be able to do these. I would like to call out you probably want an additional SCP to protect your network admin role so people can't uh, create roles like that um, or delete that role. Pro tip here is to use principal arn condition key. This allows you to basically say who is the principal that's performing this action. It's powerful in resource policies as well. All right, so I have set up all my SCPs, and then we're going to go through a couple scenarios, then we're going to make Christmas happen. Right? So we'll try to create some resources in unapproved regions and approved regions, and then I'll try to do some networking things, and, and we'll go from there. All right. You can see my screen. I'm going to try to be incredibly clear about who I am and in what account I'm doing it, right? Because we have the master account, and then I'll be doing a lot of work in the dev zombie account. So I am in the master account. Uh, I am admin, and I want to show you. I have root definitely exists. So here's all my accounts and my OUs and whatnot. And so I'm on root, and I'm going to look at service control policies, and you can see I have three attached. I have the full access, deny and approve regions, and restrict access to powerful actions. And so I'm going to go over to policies. We'll check out tag policies later. So fun. And you can see here the details. And I'm running a little short on time, so you're just going to have to believe me for the other policy. I'm trying to cut off where I can. All right. Next, I'm going to be a uh, admin in the zombie account, so I have full access. And I'm going to go to code commit. I am in the US West 2 region. I'm going to create a repository, and we'll call it pickles. And what's today? I don't know, 1, 1 PM. Will I be able to create it? Yes, right? I'm admin, I have full access. Let's go to Tokyo. Good sake, sushi. I've been there, it's fun. I can't even like get to the console. Why? Because of that SCP, even though I've started out star on the account. All right, so that's great. Now let's pretend I'm the admin, I have admin access, and I want to go and change a VPC or uh, create an internet gateway. Uh, let's just do test. That's the 1 p.m. talk. What do you think? Yes? We think this is a green? I'm, the, I'm an admin in the dev account. Who am I not? I am not the network admin. I can become the network admin just to prove my point, so I'm going to do that right now. But even somebody who had start out star was prevented because I had that uh, deny restricted action. So now I'm the network admin. I know what I'm doing. I'm a human who knows what I'm doing. And I can create this. And it worked. Cool. Uh-oh. Does somebody know how to? Ah. We'll see what happens on the next demo. All right. So now you've set up permission guardrails across your accounts, and you are going to go into the account. And in this situation, you, want, you have multiple teams operating the account, and you want to make sure they can grant privileges, maybe grant access and create roles uh, without escalating their own privilege. So this is where permission boundary comes in. And this says, hey, developers, you can create a role that maybe you pass through Lambda, but you, that role must have a permission boundary. And that permission boundary would be the maximum permissions that that role can ever have. The pro tip here is to use naming schemes just to say you can create roles that start with pickles, you can create roles that start with bubbles, and same thing with your managed policies. 
So when you think about this flow, there are four parts. The first part is an admin, the local admin of the account will say, here are the maximum permissions that the content team can have. And then they say, okay, Casey, you are allowed to create managed policies. I don't care what you put in them. When you create a role, you, that role must have a boundary. Then you can attach policies to roles with that boundary only. And then you can pass those roles that you created. So once you set it up with steps one and two, then the developer comes in, Casey comes in, he can create all the roles he wants, he can pass them to Lambda and all that, and then build. So our challenge here is to enable developers to create roles for EC2 Lambda, but ensure they cannot exceed those maximum permissions. Speaking of maximum permissions, this is what I got. We will say, all right, your maximum permissions, you can go get secrets, and you can go get objects in your bucket, okay? And so this is delegating access to all the content they create. Now ideally what should happen is then Casey would create, this would be the maximum boundary and Casey would have a policy that says go get a specific secret and go get a specific object. And that's what should happen. But sometimes, you know, too many gin and tonics will have Casey just attach a startup star policy, but no matter what, he can never, the role will never be able to get beyond this. So then I say, allow Casey to create policies. Start with your project name. This is a trick over here, the principal tag project that I'm gonna use a lot today. And when you have a tag on a role, it's a principal tag, and session tags, which we'll see too, you, that goes in the context. Remember the context we talked about? Right, so that goes in the context, and because it goes in the context, you can write policy about it. Well, because you can write policy about it, you can also use it as a variable. This is very powerful. You can use it in names of things, and you can use it in conditions. All right, so Casey's created those policies, and then you say, all right, I'm going to allow Casey to create roles, but only if that role passes in a boundary, the read content boundary. That's the thing I made in step one. And oh wait, you have to name with your project. I will also allow him to attach policies to roles that have that boundary. He can't go attach policies to like the network admin role, for example. And then finally, pass roles. This demo got cut because of time. It is in last year's talk if you wanna see it in action. All right, this is my favorite topic, ABAC. So as you scale, you need permissions and fine-grained permissions that go with it. And to do that, you rely on attributes for this. And this is a place that AWS is investing a lot into. And so what does it feel like? It means you can grant developers read-write access to their project resources, require developers to assign their project to new resources, grant developers read access to resources that are common to their team, and manage only the resources that I own or you own. Notice that I did not write pickles in this slide. I did not write bubbles. I used there a lot. And what does that mean? That means that you have attributes on your identities, you have attributes on your resources, and the policy in the middle says allow if they match. And so what this gives you is it essentially says as you create new resources, they'll be tagged appropriately, and then permissions automatically apply based on that. That also means if somebody goes from project blue to project red, permissions would automatically apply. So this means you don't get woken up in the middle of the night when Casey created a new secret and needs his application to have access to that secret, right? He can create the new secret, he can tag it, and that application will have access automatically because it has access to all secrets tagged with their project tag. So what are your tools in your toolbox? This slide got a lot bigger in the last few weeks. It was kind of annoying because I kept having to resize it, but I'm happy to announce that one, you have principal tags. These are tags on IAM roles, but even better, you have session tags. So these are tags that you can pass in from your IDP into each role session and then use those for policies. You have tags on resources. You have IAM policies and also new, you have tag policies with AWS organizations. So this helps with your tag governance, right? You can say, everything's gotta be lowercase. These are the only allowed values, so I can tag with pickles and bubbles 
cannot tag with flannel across the entire org. They can be attached at org, OU, or an account. So you can kind of differentiate that. All right, session tags. Before session tags, when you federated into AWS, your identity went poof. Now with session tags, you can federate in, bring in those attributes that are in your identity provider, project name, user ID, email, I don't care. And all of a sudden, your identity becomes, a, your identity provider becomes a source of truth. Why? Because you can use those session tags for access control in AWS. Permissions automatically apply, so if you change it in your IDP the next session, the permissions will change without updating a policy. And then finally, they're logged in CloudTrail. So if you do nothing else today, or this week, or next week, and you have an IDP, go enable session tags and just start putting them through in CloudTrail, because then you can start looking at it, and, and then you can uh, start working on access control. All right, demo, my favorite part. So you probably heard, Bridget, why do you keep saying pickles and bubbles? Well, if you haven't been to one of my previous talks, this is why. Um, pickles is my horse. He's quite the character. He loves carrots and apples, and he learned to jump this year. And then Bubbles, who doesn't love a good glass of champagne, right? Well, I do, anyway. So those are the two projects that we got going on today. And I have an application. I have a Pickles application that, if you're lucky, you'll see at the end of the show. And we'll store some secrets in Secrets Manager. So maybe these are Twitter or your Fitbit or whatever you want, keys, so you can access. We have some content in S3. We will check code into a code commit repository. We will build it with code build, code build, and we'll deploy it with Elastic Beanstalk. All of these and each access will be based on resources tagged with the tag, except for S3 bucket that's uh, with the name. All right, so our goal is to make a beautiful fruit bowl. Perfectly isolated. No, I'm just kidding. We are going to enable developers to create, manage, and build applications based on their project tag. So once again, I'm going to go through all of the policies, and then we get to go have some fun. We'll, we'll watch Casey try to be crazy and then realize that he just can't. First, the top row is set it and forget it. Right? So all this is going to be set it up as an admin, Think about rotisserie chicken and forget it. The bottom row is where the developer experience comes in. So identities with attributes and federate with those attributes into AWS. That's the first step. Second step is to configure tagging controls. I will do this via tag policies today. You can add more restrictive controls via SCPs if you want. Right, so some of the policies we'll look at today, you can bump them up to an SCP. Require that all new attributes Casey creates are tagged with the appropriate tag, and then say, all right, Casey, you can manage resources based on your project tag. Then I'll be Casey, and I'll go create some new resources, and we'll see how permissions automatically apply. All right, today I'm going to use ping um, for as my identity provider. So I have Casey on Project Pickles. I have Jamie on Project Bubbles. I updated my trust policy, so I allowed these attributes to be coming through. If you're going to go use session tags and bring them through, you do have to touch your trust policy and allow for session, uh, tag session. And then I've configured my IDP to pass in the required attributes. Pro tip here, um, tags are not for just for billing anymore. Tags are for access control, discovery, organization. And something that a lot of customers are starting to pick up on is they need to think about which tags are going to be used for what. And so the pro tip here is think about which tags you're going to use for access control. Maybe you want to start them with something, or maybe they're going to be a certain format, whatever you want, but make sure to think about it. This is the trust policy that I have. So this is a trust policy is a resource policy attached to a role. So I have to have principal. The principal I trust is Ping. And then I say, OK, Ping, you are allowed to assume role with SAML and the tag session. You must update this if you're going to use session tags. And then finally, but only if you pass in a request tag. A request tag is the tag you're requesting, new tags. And it has to be project. I haven't put any restrictions on the values. I could. Um, but you got to come in with a project tag, otherwise you will be denied access. This is what the SAML assertion looks like. Project Pickles, user ID Casey, it's an example. 
Next up, we'll configure approved AWS tag keys and values. So I'm gonna make sure that project is all lowercase because we know that if you say you got a tag with project, somebody's gonna go uppercase P and I don't know, uppercase J because they're just having fun. And then allow pickles and bubbles are the only acceptable values. Third step is I will require attributes for new resources. Casey will only allow to be able to create secrets that are tagged with his project tag. I will also allow him to add name if he wants a description. So this is the policy for this. You're like, wow, that's a lot of JSON. Okay, you all wanted more services with ABAC, so this is what we got. So I have secrets manager, code commit, code build, all with create actions. I put in the resource, um, I want them to name things that start with their project. So in Casey's case, it'll be pickles. But he also must tag it with his project. So this says, allow those actions, name it this way, but only if you pass in a request tag of project. And you can only tag with these tag keys. Let's talk about tag keys for a second. Tag keys is one of the few multi-value condition keys in AWS. That means it comes in with multiple values. So when something comes in with multiple values, you need operators to be able to validate what those values are. So tag keys comes in with project and name, and it may come in with, I don't know, something else, reinvent. And it's saying for all values in that list, they must match one of them in the tag keys list. So if I tried to tag with reinvent here, I would be denied. And we will set permission, permissions based on attributes so you can manage things if uh, they match your project tag. And this is the policy here. So here's some management actions. We have code build and code commit, create, commit, start build. These are things we're gonna do today. And only if the resource tag so request tag is the new tag that you're requesting. Resource tag is the tag on the resource, is the existing tag. So only if the resource tag project matches your project tag. Notice I used that trick again. It's not really a trick, it's a very powerful tool. Um, principal tag. Now, Bridget, why did you have to split this up into two statements? Couldn't you have combined it? No, you can't. Why? Because Secrets Manager uses a different namespace for resource tag. We are working on consistency. I need you all to know this. In the last year, we've added a lot of services with tag-based auth, focusing on these conditions, and we will continue to add more. And so be on the lookout, look at Twitter, what's new, all the places you consume, all of our launches, sometimes too many, um, and do that. But for now, you would have to separate it out into multiple statements because of the differences in red there. And then finally, if you are creating resources with a tag, you also need a tagging permission. So the example I have here is code commit, tag resource, and then um, only if the resource has the project tag that matches your tag. When new resources are created, the resource tag uh, actually gets evaluated for new resources as well. And if you're passing in a new tag, which is the request tag there, project, it must match your project tag. This means Casey cannot change from pickles to bubbles and bubbles to pickles. If he repasses in pickles, it has to be pickles. And then finally, untag, and I'm only gonna unlet, let you untag with name. These, you can't go delete project tags. You can only delete name, because I don't care what you put in name. All right. You guys ready for this amazing demo? So I'm gonna show you the setup first, but I'll sign in as Casey in the second part, and I'm gonna use ping. I'll have pickles with me as part of my context. I'll create a secret. I will use that secret and check in code. I'll update my code to use that secret. I'll build and I'll deploy, and then if it works, we'll check out the pickles application. You guys ready to see session tags in action? All right, come on, you guys wake up. Okay, so first what I wanna show you is I wanna show you the um, tag policies. So I'll go over to policies, and I'll go over to tag policies. This is really easy to turn on. 
And um, I created one here. And you can see that it actually does have JSON syntax in it. But I highly recommend that you use the Create Policy UI. It is incredibly easy. I did this in like five minutes on a Friday night. And you can basically look at the capitalization, the tag value compliance. You can go here and see what your values will be, et cetera. So that's cool. All right, tag policies, we got that covered. Now I'm gonna go into, I'm gonna be an admin in the zombie dev account. And I'm gonna go over to IM, because I wanna show you the role that I'm using for federating in via ping. So the role is here. Here is the role I'm using. I'm gonna show you the trust policy. Notice that I have right here tag session. This would not work if I took it away. And I'm gonna look at my permissions, and I have a lot of them. But the ones you care about, so I have some console readability actions. I have create resources with tags. And hopefully you can see that here. I'm not gonna edit JSON, but it's easier to read here. And you can see here are all my create actions with everything I showed you on stage. Oh, there we go. And manage resources with project tag. Hopefully you can see that, oh yeah. All these code commit actions, right? Only if the project tag matches. And same thing here with the resource, with uh, secrets manager, all right? And I'm also using Beanstalk today. Turns out Beanstalk does support uh, tag-based auth, but it also makes a lot of calls on your behalf. And so I do have a granular policy. It's just really long, so I thought I'd show you. It took me a long time to create. Um, but it makes a lot of calls on your behalf. So, um, okay. Now I'm gonna show you um, this is ping. Uh-oh. There we go. And I'll show you Casey. This is Casey. And you can see he's a systems engineer and he works on Project Pickles. So when Casey federates in, which I'll show you, he has pickles with him. Not literally the horse. That would be awkward. Okay, so I am gonna be Casey. Here I am. Oops, page expired. Let me refresh. There we go. I'm in the AWS Management Console. I federated in through ping. How cool. All right, first step, we'll go to Secrets Manager. Notice that I'm also in the right region. This wouldn't work if I was in the wrong region. I'm gonna store a new secret. And we'll do favorite food, apples. Okay. And remember we have to name it, so I'll do the 1 p.m. talk. Let's do test sort of thing. And I'm not gonna tag it. What's gonna happen because I didn't tag it? Denied? You all wanna experience that denied? Okay. Denied. Okay, so I gotta go back, and I think I have to tag it. Bridget told me something about that. I gotta do project. What about bubbles? What do you think? Why? Because it's not pickles, right? On Casey, it doesn't work. If Casey had federated in with bubbles, it would have worked. What do you think? There we go. All right. So notice that I can do pickles and I can see everything. But if I click on bubbles, I can't see anything. So this, these are the boundaries Casey can work in. Casey cannot go play with bubbles. He can only operate in this pickles world. I'm gonna grab the name of the secret and he needs to go and code stuff. So we're gonna go to code commit here. And once again, Casey can only access his repositories. So if I go and find this bubbles one, he gets kicked out. So I'll go back to the pickles application and I'm gonna check in code. 
here in one second. So notice that he could not have changed Bubbles' um, code. I am going to change my secret to the one we just created. And I will check this in and commit the change. Same thing's gonna happen on build. He can only build projects that are his. Notice I can read the pickles, but I can't read the bubbles. Same thing. So we'll start the build here. He can only do it for pickles and go through there. He could have done it for bubbles if he federated in with that. So while that's in progress, I wanna show you one other cool thing. Uh, going back to the IAM Management Console, I'm admin. And I'm gonna go to code commit and I'm gonna take a repository. Oh, why did I get denied? <laughs> In the wrong region. <laughs> don't you love it when your SCPs work when you don't even expect it? Um, okay, <laughs> so I have a pre-invent test and I'll go to settings and I'll go to the tags here and I'm gonna try to edit. And I'm gonna try, I'm admin, I have full access. What do you think? No, doesn't work. Um, this shouldn't work, I haven't tested it yet. Doesn't work, why? Cool, right? So you saw those tag policies come into action there even with an admin, so nobody can make those typos that you want. All right, so the build succeeded, and the last step I'm gonna do is I'm gonna head over to Beanstalk, and you'll see that I only have one application, it's Pickles. If you go look, I'll take questions at the end. Um, if you look at Bubbles, uh, if you look at my admin account, you'll see Bubbles as well. So I'll go here, and I'm gonna rebuild so we can use our new secret, and so we can see apples instead of carrots, because that's what's there right now. And we'll let that go. So what you saw, this thing again. What you saw was Casey navigating through an account and only being able to access and modify things that are tagged with his project tag and only being able to create things that go to his project. And this really helps you get to fine-grained permissions. And finally, if you notice something Casey did or a session did that you were not really um, happy with, it would show up in CloudTrail. So if anything, go use those right there. All right, why that builds? We're gonna go into using analytics terrain and permissions. So what are the tools in your toolbox? This slide also got bigger in the last few weeks and on Monday. So uh, recently we launched Role Last Use. This makes it incredibly easy for you to go and identify unused roles, right? This is when a role has made a request to AWS. Second, you have service last access information. This provides what services each role, account, organizational unit, or org have used, which means the ones that you haven't used, you can scope down. We are working on making this information more granular. Hope you're happy to hear that. And then finally, we have a new IAM Access Analyzer. Access Analyzer today is focused on helping you analyze cross-account access and where there's too broad permissions from a cross-account perspective. So your job, first up, is to rein in permissions. Just like I have to rein in pickles, you're gonna rein in your permissions. Turns out Pickles is actually really slow, so I don't really have to rein him in very much. But um, permissions you do. And so we'll go remove some unused roles. We'll do it in a production or a dev account, and then we'll analyze some permissions as well. What you need to do here when you go back after you're recovered from reInvent is go back and channel your inner Marie Kondo. You need to look for those roles that don't bring you joy. You need to thank them and then you need to let them go, right? And this will help your security posture because you are going to be reducing access points in your account. If they're unused, they don't need to be there. All right, so let's check it out. We'll analyze some roles, we'll go look at policies, we'll go look at SCPs, it'll be great. I'm glad you can all see my screen. Um, so I'm gonna be an admin so I can show you what's going on. So with role last use, it's pretty simple. You go to the IAM console, you click on roles, 
and there it is. You have this last activity column. You can sort there. This is when a role, la role credentials from that role were last used to make a request, allowed or denied, doesn't matter, in your AWS account and when they did that. And this is within the last 400 days. Um, so if it's beyond that, it'll say none. So obviously I'm not gonna delete any of these. And you will see this is where you wanna start looking at things. Turns out some of these things I used last year and I probably don't need again. And oh look, here's a bunch of roles that I used to create and test with and I haven't done that. All right, so maybe you go clean up your roles. That's great. But you're really wanting to look at these roles that you're like, okay, what's going on here? So I'm gonna look at um, this pickles test role that I had created. And I can see the last activity here, but I wanna see what it actually did. And you can see that I was obviously testing with code commit, code build, S3, but I thought I was gonna need some other services and turns out I didn't. So um, I could remove those very, very confidently. All right, so you've removed some unused roles, you've looked at permissions, you can scope that down, you're, you're on a Marie Kondo mission here. And then you'll go to your master account. Why you're gonna go to your master account? Well, you're gonna look at your organization activity across your entire org. And what this will help you do is set those service control policies we're talking about. So if you're nervous at all about having, uh, removing access or denying access at the SCP level, go and let's look at your service report. And so you can see the things that every principal uses inside these accounts and where. So you probably don't wanna create a uh, denial for code commit or systems manager, because I use those. But you will look over here and see that, oh, we haven't used directory service. I like to pick on directory service because it used to be my office mate service. So anyway, but you, you would be like, all right, that hasn't been used 174 days. We don't use it in an organization. You can deny access to it confidently and set up that permission guardrail. Cool, so you did that and Now we have Access Analyzer. So Access Analyzer is very cool. When you think about what I just showed you, it was all about who did what. And Access Analyzer helps you determine who can do what. And how does it do this? By continuously analyzing those resource policies, the bucket policies and all that. And it uses the highest level of security assurance. Why? Because of fancy math. I'm not kidding. There is a group, the Automated Reasoning Group within AWS, and they are very, very passionate about using um, mathematic, mathematical logic and inference to help us with our security controls. And so this is one of their first products, and it is amazing. And what it does is it looks at your resource policies and gives you findings about when cross-account access is too broad. You can go in and you can remediate the finding, you can archive it, whatever you wanna do, but it helps you figure out the low-hanging fruit to go and look at. And it's within an account now, but coming soon, it'll be across your entire organization. So if you're in a central security team, it's gonna be really powerful. So this is how it works. You have all these trust policies, you have roles, KMS keys, buckets, queues, functions, you have an analyzer, you have findings, and then you'll uh, quickly and continuously analyze policies. So this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna go look at Access Analyzer, we're gonna see our findings, and we'll figure out what to do. Has any of you checked this out yet? Okay, one, it's available at no additional cost. Two, you can go in the IAM console and you can correct, click Create Analyzer in like four seconds, and it will start scanning your buckets and your keys and roles, and oh, just go look at it. Um, so I will head down into, I'm an admin. And this is in my zombie, or my dev account, um, because it's where I have a bunch of resources. So I'll go to Access Analyzer. And you can see that I have some findings. What I'm interested in is S3 buckets. You can probably figure out why, there's a lot of that. And oh, I have two findings. So this would be broad access. One is, a bucket that I called Pickles Demo Video, that is public. So if you wanna go access Pickles Video, you can. Um, and then I have one that's restricted to VPC only, but there's a little bit concerning. This is read, and this is write, permissions, tagging, that's a lot. So 
I'm gonna go into it and I will go to a new tab. It brings you right to the S3 console, into that bucket. I go to permissions, I go to my bucket policy, and I'm like, huh, I got put star. That is like not cool at all. So I'm just gonna change it to put object. I save it, so we've scoped that down, and then I'll rescan. So notice it says active here. This means that the automated reasoning that's being used thinks that it's powerful, it's too broad. And I will rescan, and when I rescan, it says it's resolved. Pretty cool, huh? You can go look at all of them. It's really, really powerful, and you can see you're resolved, you can see you're archived. Um, if you're interested in the fancy math, there's a lot of white papers, and they're giving a ton of talks today. And then finally, if you do have resource policies, you are using bucket policies, and this is something that I, I could have showed, um, principal OU path. This was recently launched. It's a very powerful condition key for sharing access between accounts, right? So if you have a bucket policy, you can throw, get object, allow that to happen, but only if the principal is coming from within your OU or within your org, um, there's a, you know, and you can go down that. And so if you have bucket policies, if you analyze bucket policies, go throw this condition on, because unless you want them to be public, you want access to remain with inside your organization. All right, recap. First, if you go back to your organization, think about how you can set yourself up for success with permission guardrails, right? You do not want to drive off the road like that. You want to have that guardrail. That's at Glacier, by the way. Second, you want to make sure that Crazy Casey can only have access to resources that he creates that are part of his project. And you'll do that with attributes, and you'll rely on those attributes for fine-grained permission at scale. And then finally, you'll use analytics to bring in that broad, broad access. We're investing in all three of these spaces, and so you'll continue to see advances here. Additional resources, I have talks from previous years um, that go into permission boundaries in more detail. It goes into some nuances of resource policies in new, more detail. A full hour of ABAC if you want it. And then my favorite uh, documentation page is on the bottom. This is where you'll find out which services support which condition keys, because we all love conditions. And before I end end, we will see what happened with our application, because it's so fun. And look, a video of pickles. Uh, so this music was actually beat by one of our BDM, our business development, and it's like pretty cool. He made, he made music just for Pickles. So, you know, Pickles is playing with his friend. It's kind of fun. Um, I would like to say thank you for coming. Please fill out your sessions. Oops. Here we go. Please fill out your, your um, feedback sessions. I do read every single one of them. Try to improve for the following years. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy at reInvent. It is a great time of year, and I hope you all enjoy the last few days of your reInvent. Thank you. I will be on the side answering questions.